0: Alrighty, welcome to the Kreecast podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, appreciate all the downloads, the comments I get occasionally, and all that stuff. It's um, you know, it's a hobby. I love doing it. I uh, love keeping it in mind. You know, obviously passionate about port footy, but this is something a little different. I'm trying here. It's uh, you'll see the icon uh, for any of these episodes will be just slightly different to the standard Creecast one. Um, it's still me. I'm still a Port fan, but I'm just, you know, I'm a footy fan, so I like to keep my kind of ears to the ground on what else is going on, and as someone who's a footy fan, naturally I always, yeah, every footy fan's got an opinion about what whatever the fuck's going on in the world of footy, and uh, like, like, uh, yeah, that's you know, the old saying, opinions like assholes, everyone's got one, and uh, there's plenty of stuff that's going on, you know, outside of the, the spectrum of Port Adelaide footy in the AFL world, whether it be... You know, the the weekly drama of tribunal decisions and and other things going on. Something sadly that shouldn't be going on, like the racism stuff that's popped up this week again. Um, But yeah, I just thought I'd occasionally, who knows how often it'll be, it might be every, I might try to aim for every couple of weeks maybe and just, you know, touch on whatever's going on, like outside of what's specific to Port Adelaide. Um, So I'm going to talk about a couple of things on this episode. I'm going to, you know, I'll just speak my mind quickly on just reiterating that we need to do better on the racism front. And then um, I meant to do this a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, some things came up um, in the personal life here that delayed a bit of recording for a bit. But um, talk about kind of the start of the season as far as the tribunal has gone and and some of the head injury discussion, which is, you know, again, had a, a sad kind of, you know, new chapter with what we... just the visual side of um, Paddy McCartan, which was in our game um, last week. Uh, stumbling off after what was a pretty one of the most innocuous head knocks you will ever see um, really just touching the ground and even hit it hard like some people can in a whiplash style hit um, but just speaks to the issue the issue that's at hand at the moment with the you know concussion discussions and, and the you know class actions against the AFL, um, repeated head trauma and all that stuff which um, I think the Patty McCartney one really does highlight kind of the effect, like that's a real visual representation for people that aren't as as aware of what repeated head trauma can do, that's what it does you're just never the same after you've had a few concussions and, and you're just so much more susceptible to the innocuous hit um, so we saw that, um, there's that there's obviously Gather Round uh, happening in Adelaide this week uh, which is wonderful, I wish I was there for it but it's um, really cool to see uh, following on the socials and just all the stuff that all the people are getting around it um, seeing um. Uh, one of us, Malinowskis, our Port fan, premier on AFL 360 last night, getting excited about it, and just Adelaide's the centre of Australian football right now. You know, the league, as well as just Australian football as a historical product, um, the eyes of the AFL slash Australian football fan eyes will be on Adelaide this week, which is really cool. Um to kind of showcase what we've got, um, class in classic South Australian fashion. At this time of year looks like it might be some dodgy weather at times as well. But that look, this is a winter sport. What we're at, you know, this is what it's this is what it's about. So you know, um, we'll get some wet weather footy in there. And um, regardless, Adelaide City, um, both with within the city, it has plenty of good bars and and breweries and stuff. And then outside of the city, plenty of wineries, and they've all got fireplaces. Most of the good ones do anyway. And plenty of places to have a glass of red and and take in the, uh, the, the the autumn weather as well. So it's really cool to see. So we'll get into a bit of it, and I'll end the episode just having a... Uh, I'll have make brief predictions along the way of the season as to, you know, the team that I think... The teams that I think are up there for a chance at the premiership. The teams that are impressing me more than I expected. Kind of like who's going to make the eight that I, you know, maybe didn't expect. I'll just have a general kind of, you know, end, end each of these kind of episodes with my just thoughts on how the season's going as a whole for teams as well um as well you know and maybe depending on the weeks there may be more of that chat because there may not be as many issues like you know concussions and all that kind of stuff and gather around and stuff to talk about so it'll just be a general discussion whenever i decide to do it um i'll try to keep a schedule of every week or every other week um to chat the wider afl so with that long rambling wandering uh, intro i've gotten to four minutes 20 um just now uh Oh, thank you. Um, we'll uh, take a quick break and get into it. All right. So, first of all, look, I'll get this out of the way and I'll keep it quick because I think I've spoken my bit about um, racism here and there on the podcast in the past. And it's just not something that I'd want to get too much into on this one. Um, people are reading about it and seeing it, and they understand it most of all. But I guess this is just my plea when I see, you know, I've seen Isaac Rankin cop it. Um, you can, he, you know, when you read the reports that he kind of stewed on it for a day before he went to the club. You know, he's really, after what was a fantastic performance by him, and he's had a great start to his career at the Adelaide, which sucks to say as a Port fan, but as a, you know, just, you know, good for him as a person, to be having a great career start to his career there, and, um, you know, he doesn't deserve to spend half of his weekend um, stewing on such a cowardly kind of act that he copped with that, um, Instagram message, so, and we saw her in the same space, same space of 24 hours, Charlie Cameron got it, and I think it was Michael Walters and Nathan Wilson from Fremantle copped it as well, um, so, you know, you got four stars of our game, absolute, you know, jets of our game, um, copping just unwarranted, unneeded, cowardly, abhorrent, disgusting abuse from just the worst kind of scum on this planet, um, that feel they can get away with that kind of stuff, and it's just not on. And my one message here is just continue to call it out when you see it. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a friend or a friend or family. I've had the tough discussion with some friends and family at times. Um, it took me a while to get the courage up, and sometimes it's tough, especially when it's um, you know someone in your immediate family that says something you know is not on. You just kind of call it out, and then you have a awkward moment, and you know whether they take it on board but it's at least you call it out and then you know hopefully they have a moment of reflection and kind of think about what they said and whether it's you know what they actually meant or and if it's what they meant then you've called them out and they've had someone close to them call them out and they have to think about why someone that's close to them and loves them is calling them out and saying something like that so you know because that's what these kind of people need too They, they probably haven't and you know unfortunately people exist within their own bubbles and sometimes only have the echo chamber of the people that have the same hateful and scummy, disgusting thoughts. But, you know, hopefully someone can get through to them at some point. And, you know, it's a long road. It's going to take, you know, don't don't let me get into the, the rabbit hole and weeds of where humanity is going on this planet with everything else going on. But, you know, it's, we've come so far, but yet, you know, from the actual institutionalized racism of whether it be Jim Crow here or pre-Civil War in, in the U.S. or... You know, white Australia policy in Australia and all those things that were actually institutionalised laws and stuff like that. We've gotten away from that, but the attitudes are still there, and we've still got so much further to go. It's generational, and it and it breeds from generation to generation. Um, I've seen it within my own family and friendship groups as well, um, and that's why you've got to try and call it out and deal with it when you see it, and just and you don't have to do it in a, a you know abusive, um, aggressive, abrasive kind of way. You can just say. Well, this is my experience with it um this is what people have told me and how it hurts and how it feels and and this is the history behind this word or you know i had someone say to me how ridiculous it was the the washington football team's name changed and i said well it was literally a name rooted in racism oh well, yeah but and i said no this is the history of it And they went, oh like you know and whether they took it on board i don't know but well, they at least listened and kind of there was a quiet moment after that. And I thought, well, hopefully they're at least having to think about it. And then maybe they'll go look it up. And over to, over time as they let that thought, cause some, you know, sometimes it takes time for those thoughts to process. But we've just got to keep finding a way to move forward. And, this, and progress is slow. It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be over, over a year. It's not even going to be over a decade, unfortunately. It's going to take a long time to get to where we hopefully want to be. But every time it happens, we need to call it out and make it. And I know some people think it's it's redundant to keep having the statements. and But the statements mean... Because ignoring it doesn't do anything either. Keeping it out on the rug doesn't do anything either. The statements at least put it out there. And people, fans of the club reading go, Oh, okay, that's happened. Um, hopefully some Crows fans saw that and, and thought of Rankin. Um, and maybe some fans that have said some things in the past to friends and family thought of... And that that are big fans of Rankin kind of had a thought. And thought oh, jeez all right, maybe I need to adjust my own behavior, um, all that kind of stuff. It's just everything, you just need to call it out and it needs to be, needs just needs to be called out and, and have a continued, sorry about the phone going off in the background. I always mean to put do not disturb on my computer and phones and stuff, but I always forget sometimes um, in between recording sessions. But yeah, call it out um, and let's just keep moving towards something. Um, it, is a li- it is a little bit icky when you see there's no place in our game for this. Um, when you see, and I'm like, just, I won't get into it, but, you know, and are still currently employed Adelaide player. You know, it is, it is, there is a double standard there that's still, it's still, and I know the AFL probably doesn't want to deal with it, neither do Adelaide. And look, we're moving forward from that, I guess, but that did, I did read the, you know, Gill's statement about there's no place in our game for this and how they'd punish someone that sitting in you know, it. I was just, it's a little icky, and, but, you know, that's uh that's the state of the game at the moment and uh but you know overall let's just keep it to the message and call cool it out when you see it educate find find ways to just find a way to find a way in to the message that the hateful message find a way in with your message of love and support and equality and let's just keep keep the keep the progress for moving forward as slow as it is Moving forwards better than going backwards, and you know, there's times over the past five years with how the world's been going that we feel we're threatening to go backwards, and, and certainly it's very real threat in certain places in this world, and we're just going to keep up the good fight. So, yeah, we'll leave it at that and uh, get into some more more footy related stuff. All right, so happier things, the gather round. It's a wonderful uh, weekend for all my South Australian brethren uh, down there in SA. It is a beautiful state. Um, you know, between I mean, I grew up in the mid north, uh, before moving to the Barossa and I've spent the last seven years uh in the Barossa Valley. Um well eight years really until uh, recently starting the relocation over uh, abroad. But, you know, it's um I loved I've loved my time growing up there and loved my time there and obviously growing up as a port fan, making the trek from uh the old uh, Riverton up in the mid north down to uh, footy Park in my younger years, onto the uh, the old aluminium bench sent beat bench seats, and uh, and then obviously the move to Adelaide over and all that stuff. It's just been a great state to grow up and live in. Adelaide's a beautiful city. It's a planned city. Um, if you if you know if you, I always encourage people that don't know this, go and have a look at Google Maps and look at the Central Business District of Adelaide and how it spreads out from there. You've got the CBD and then you've got parklands all around it, and it's because it was literally planned. It's not a city. Like Melbourne and Sydney, that started on kind of you know in the bay and stuff like that, and just spread out organically. Um, which is you know, a lot of cities grow, and that's 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 history, and that's also wonderful. But Adelaide as a city is just such a wonderful city to get around because it's just so easy. Um, because of the the planned nature of the city. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of history for anyone that's listening. I know South Australians listening know that and get it, but um, other people may not be aware of just the, the um, city and. You know, there's the Colonel Light statue that's actually just near the Adelaide Oval there on top of the um the hill there. It points actually kind of towards, it's pointing towards Adelaide, but you know, it's pointing really at the oval, which is great as well. And, you know, Adelaide Oval and the whole you know, just going to a game at Adelaide Oval now. It's just such a great experience with being able to, you know, park your car and, you know, or get the public transport in, have some beers over on the in the city there, and then just wander across the footbridge and and get inside, and um, hopefully you've had enough beers across in the city where it's a bit cheaper that you're not too don't need to chug back too many over overpriced beers in Adelaide Oval. But um, you know if you if if you do like to indulge in a few game day froffies, but it's yeah it's such a wonderful occasion. As I said earlier, I'm jealous can't be there, but um, obviously uh, it's a great thing that um, you know the tickets that I was able to claim with my membership. Move them on to uh, uh, Wellesie on Twitter, who generously donated $100 to the Finlayson GoFundMe and in helping with, uh, you know, Kelly's ongoing battle and and the ongoing costs for Jeremy and the family there. Um, that's something we're doing every game this year. We'll be, I'll be giving away my tickets with just a donation. To the family asked for, um, i kind of just been trying to work out what mon- monetary donation I'll ask for each week. I might just go for $50 each week moving forward, but you're more than welcome to donate more anyway. That would just be the base price to get in there. Um, still makes it a hell of a lot cheaper than buying them at face value, So, and obviously the money's going to, uh, 100% of it going to a good cause um, for a well-valued member of the Port Adelaide family. Um, but yeah, wonderful occasion for the state, and I think it's a really great, Initiative by the AFL. Obviously, um, we all know it's um, an idea uh, borrowed, stolen, um, taken. Whatever you want to say about the NRL Magic Round that they they've done successfully successfully for the last last few years. I don't know when I, I didn't actually think to look it up beforehand. It's not really that important to the the chat we're having at the moment, but uh, it's you know obviously taken from the the Magic Round in the NRL, and when we've applied it to the AFL, and and when you see the build up, it's just it's building up beautifully, and really, what I think when it comes to the AFL and what they're doing here with the uh, the Magic Round is a, uh, it's um you know sports modern sports and the business of sports. I know we we all like to be romantic about a fandom with our sports teams, and our love for sports, and we don't want to change too much. We want a bit to you know tradition, and all that stuff is what we want, and at the core of our sports, that's all what it is. But this kind of initiative does add something to it. That's had a, a, the festival of footy idea, um, everything happening in one place. Fans from, because you rarely ever get, and will never in the AFL really have we had a situation where the fans of every club can be in one city enjoying their team playing a game for premiership points all within an hour of each other. Um, you know, people they can go to, you, you can go to, hopefully you'll be able to go to bars down, you know, whether it be, you know, Hindley Street late at night or, any any number of bars in you know you know the north North Adelaide or whatever as games um, are finishing, pre-game, and have a mixture of you know fans that are from Sydney, from Brisbane, from you know obviously there's going to be a bunch coming across from Melbourne, um, Western Australia. You know hopefully there's, you know fans from every club are just coming over and, and having having some beers and having some chats and 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 dialoguing and that's that's a that's an actual real thing for fans. You know I know the AFL is getting a hopefully. That on the business side, they're going to be wanting to get something out of this and make a real, real weekend of it commercially and all that stuff. But at the core of it, it's always what can we, you know, what can they do for the fans as well as as the product of the AFL to enrich both experiences. And I think this kind of idea really is doing that. It's unfortunate seeing the pushback from. Uh, it's really the only place I'm seeing any pushback on the idea is fans and media based in Melbourne, which is the most hypocritical and ironic notion I've ever fucking seen, um, it's, it's utterly ridiculous, I've seen fans complaining about Port and the Crows being the home team in their games in this extra round, well, they're going to be, whether it's official or not, they're the home team, so I don't know what you're, they really, could, the only thing that it's coming down to here is just jersey choice, I think, um, and Guernsey choice, um, English, David, English, um, and I think that, you know, your choice of rooms and run out race and all that stuff, it's minor details. And to be fair, with everything that South Australia's putting into this, they probably deserve the right to have. You know, who, who cares? It's just, it's an extra round and it's a special round. And I uh, just, that kind of criticism was ridiculous. Even more so, though, is this idea that started popping up as we got to the end of last round. We started seeing, all right, it's kind of going to be Collingwood, St Kilda, won't first versus fourth. Suddenly, because they realise that this Collingwood game and St Kilda game is not is could be a game that could put eighty thousand bums and seats in the MCG. You've got the the ridiculous media calls and, and and commentary about oh maybe they should just bugger off this gather round and move this game um, back to the MCG because commercial purposes and the fans because you know it's not not like Collingwood get you know seven I think I counted up there's seventeen games that Collingwood have got in the Melbourne in Melbourne this year. Um, that's including Marvel. I think it's it might be 14 or 15 at the MCG, then just a couple at Marvel. Port and the Crows, even if we have a gather round and then finals, we'll never get more than, you know, I mean, that's what 12, you know, we've got an away showdown then we've got 11 home games. That's 12 gather round. So we could get a maximum of 15 games at Adelaide Oval if we play two finals at home. In any, in the best possible year, Collingwood get in the MCG, the MCG 15 game, and and then more than that if they get finals, and they're always going to have a home grand final if they get into the grand final. It's just a guarantee, regardless of who the ticket sales and all that stuff. There's just going to be fans that are there. They can find their way to get tickets, and they can spend more on the tickets to get there because they're not having to travel either. So this ridiculous notion of the unfairness of it or the ridiculousness of it and then this idea from the media that oh we should move games back cuz it's just better for the game this is an extra round you're not missing out on anything this is an extra round i get that you know maybe you're not getting to play saint gilda again this year you know that's just the luck of the draw anytime this idea was going to come up there was always going to be a fixture that was not expected to be what it was going to be that ends up being you know first versus fourth that is always a chance and the afl's going to be taken that into a possibility and that's why they didn't schedule a showdown or any of those. They just try to spread the spread the love. But it's still just natural, natural based on you know unexpected teams being better. You know the Crows versus Carlton on Thursday night. It's going to be a way better game than I had to look at the betting odds. I think it's it's basically it's jumped back in favoritism. I saw the Crows were um, underdogs by about 20, 20 cents, and then I saw it later on that night or this morning. And The Crows are actually slightly favored. I think it's fallen back just. To Colton. but you know that wasn't expected at the start of the year. But that's that's how it is now. Um, they, this, these kind of things are going to happen, and unfortunately, what I, what makes me mad about it is that it's taken away from what the AFL is doing and what South Australia is doing as well. And the positivity of the gathering—it should just be a positive energy, but you've got these idiot fans on Twitter. You had this just before I jumped on. I saw a Ralph Horowitz or whatever his fucking name is having a whinge about um, the Guernsey choice stuff with the away teams, based on how the coin toss went. Um, And he kind of tried to say something about how teams in Melbourne are, you know, the jumper matters more to teams in Melbourne than it does to teams outside of that, because, you know, teams outside represent a region, um, represent the entire state or something like that, whereas the teams, you know, just the... Essentially, the idea was that Guernsey matters more to teams from Melbourne, which is one of the most misplaced hubris ideas I've ever fucking seen. And so you've got these kind of ideas and people just complaining about nitpicking away at the gather round and it's just not on. It's not good for you know. We AFL fans and, and whether it be AFL fans, you know, I say AFL is in the league, not the sport. I don't understand Australian rules football is a sport, but you know, AFL fans and footy fans in general, whatever it may be, whatever league we may be following, if you're an S A N F L purist or whatever, or if you love the AFL and you love different leagues, whatever it may be we love tradition and and holding on to traditions, but then what moves our sports forward is always adding on, not taking away anything. You add something to it, and that's what the Gather is doing, and it should be applauded as a way of moving our league forward and finding new avenues for um, investment in the sport and all these things, especially after a tough couple of years of COVID where, you know, the game was in danger. Um, You know, we always would have a sport and a league, but, you know, the the league as it was was in danger. Um, But to come out of that and come out swinging. South Australia put on such a great show. I think, as they say, there's possibly seven of the nine games are sold out now. Uh, six or seven, whatever. That's an incredible number as well. It's just... It is disappointing that people with such profiles in the media um, kind of take this tact. And we are constantly told this is a national league, but and you have this Victorian bias come in, and they're not even they're just saying the quiet part out loud now and not even hiding it anymore, that it's just we find ourselves more important than the centre of the football world is here in Victoria. And it's just not the way it is. Yes, most of the teams are based there because of the way the the league grew. We get that. But you need to stop throwing your toys out of the pram every time something happens that isn't based in Victoria. You get in the grand final until at least somewhere, was it 2057? And I'm sure it'll be renegotiated before that. Um, you're probably going to get the night grand final some of the people want over there, even though overall fans um, don't seem to, but, you know, you can argue that one for another day. Um, or you're t- you get the chance to see your teams more than any other club does because, you know, you get away games that are just going to be in Victoria as well. So it's just a ridiculous notion um, and just speaks to kind of just the ongoing issues we still have in this league of trying to have equal representation. and, and But not just in you know, all the basic stuff, but just equal representation of media and, and a feeling of equal importance to the league and what we bring to the league. So I commend, you know, Malinowskis and, and Gil and all those that are doing the good stuff for bringing the other round together. And hopefully we see a little bit of... It would be nice to see a little bit of pushback against these ideas and just and call them out for what they are, which is ridiculous. Um, but to finish off, and again, as a positive, I just, I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm going to be... Um, Joining friend of the pod Donny, um, Donny's disposal on Twitter. He's a US based. Um, loves his loves his footy. Loves his swannies, So sorry about the result last weekend, Donny. But I'm looking forward to joining him on his podcast next week to review the round. So I'll be watching some of them live. i will be watching some of them on replay. Um, obviously, a lot of them take place in the middle of the night here. Um, and unless it's poor, I'm not. I'm, I usually don't stay up till you know middle of the night to watch other teams play, but I'll catch them on replay and, and certainly keep an eye on and be watching the Port game. I'll probably be on the way to the airport during half of the Port game, so I'll put it on my phone um, heading up to Portland for the weekend. Um, but, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. It's um, Hopefully it all goes well and the fans are, you know, well behaved. Um, en- enjoy your beers responsibly and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes and um, I think it's just a great initiative for the league and And something to be excited about, something to be positive about And something to add to the product that we love Um, And hopefully it becomes a tradition It would be lovely to see it just become a South Australian tradition But I can understand uh, the want for it to be like a travelling yearly festival I saw some people talking about it would be cool to see it in Tasmania next year Which is someone who is a staunch supporter of a team in Tasmania Um, You know, I'm not against I certainly would love to see South Australia kind of have that thing that we do and and it be the uh, the gather round but i'm not against the idea of it being like if it you know every every you know 4 or 5 years you get it depending on which states um get it uh i know melbourne uh, you know there's already the there was a, one of those fox footy reports again like should melbourne host the next one it's like for fuck's sake again it's that victorian thing as soon as something looks like it's going to be good they want it um, especially when it comes to footy um but yeah, it would be cool to see it be South Australia-based for a long term, but it would also be cool to see, you know, whatever it is, I'm as supportive of the idea as a whole, and I'm just glad that regardless of what happens going forward, that South Australia, you know, really went all out and grabbed it for the first one, uh, and it's certainly going to look like we're making it one to remember. Alrighty, so I've spent the last 15 minutes talking about Gill and the positives of the AFL. Unfortunately, I'll be getting a little bit more... Critical as we talk about um, the issue of concussions and such in the AFL and 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 the tribunal decisions and and all the just the the mire the mess that has been I think the first the opening month of the season really when it comes to tribunal decisions it's a little bit in the past now it's a few weeks ago when I took down these notes and then um, a few things happened so I didn't get to it but you know my brief on uh, the opening round decisions when it came to I think it was I pickett's bump, um I'm already forgetting the other the pl- other players. Um it's that month, that long ago. Um it really was just the fact that oh, I was McAdam it was McAdam Pickett and Buddy, of course. Yeah. There we go. Alright, I'm on I'm back. I'm back. Um it's I get why they take an outcome basis into uh the uh sorry, I apologize I've got a it's the change of season I think I said it last week too just allergies and a cold and all that stuff at the moment so I'm a bit sniffly I'm trying to take breaks and take some water and clear myself out and then come back to it but it's not working very well um but I get the there is an idea like I, I understand the impact like if someone gets a serious concussion injury out of it that does play into the tribunal decision um but I feel like the 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 variance in you know from Buddy getting one week to McAdam getting three weeks, just there needs to be a baseline. If you are actually trying to, in, the idea is that we're taking the head injury thing seriously in the AFL now, right? The baseline that Buddy gets one week, McAdam gets three weeks. The outcome is more or less, you know. I think the outcome in the Buddy one was actually worse, but it's the action wasn't wasn't it? I can't. It's just. There needs to be a baseline that is stronger so that we're not we're not having these discussions where Crows fans are feeling... Because like, I actually I sympathize with the Crows fans to a certain extent. I, I think McAdam deserve to get a couple of weeks, whether it's two or three. You can argue that into oblivion if you want. Um, He deserves a couple of weeks, but Buddy also deserves a couple of weeks. Pickett deserves a couple of weeks. Pickett's... I get McAdams, there was an action part of McAdams, when I watch them back over and over versus Pickers, I get why there was, I could understand some of their argument, but also it's also arguing the semantics of a split second decision, which just isn't the way we should be adjudicating the sport for me, um, which is just where it all comes down to. And we're, we're all arguing, you know, although the the tribunal stuff, when it actually goes to the tribunal rather than the match review officer, I understand there's a different, there's a different process for both. So, you know, for people listening going, oh, you're, you're arguing a match review thing versus tribunal thing. I apologize again. You know, you get it mixed up a little bit. The overall meaning of my discussion is more about the overall um, end, end game rather than who decides what. Um, that's the thing. We're, we're adjudicating split second decisions in the field. Um, bumps. Uh, is the bump dead? Um, for me, no. I, I think it's just been mitigated to a role that is you have to be damn good at it, you can bump, it doesn't, you know, it's the thing, you can bump, you can elect to bump, I saw a clean, there was a, I reckon there was a bump from Boke this week, that was just, it was out of the kind of the corner of the picture, and it was just a good, I, saw, I remember seeing it happening, going, that was a bump, that was a good bump, no one got hurt, And and we move on, the bump's going to be there, it's going to happen, it's just Players are going to elect not to bump as much. But it, the, considering, if you look at the, the aesthetics of our sport, I use the word aesthetics a lot, um, and sometimes probably not where it's... But you get it, you know, the visual the visual idea of our sport, the way the sport works, the, the back-and-forth nature of it, the fact that it's constantly moving, it's an ever-moving ever sport. We're not two lines, like NFL or rugby, or even soccer, where it's two lines attacking each other. Um, soccer's closer to footy as far as the fact that where the players are mixed between the lines at all times but obviously doesn't have the contact uh, that AFL footy does. AFL footy is naturally just going to have bumps happen because you're going to have players that are running at high speed that elect to bump as a a form of protecting their own body, Um, and then depending on how they elect to bump, will determine whether it goes to a tribunal or a match review officer's decision or it just becomes a clean bump, and they do happen. Like I said, I swear I saw one this weekend. I'd have to watch the whole game back again, and I just don't have the time to do that. But I swear I saw one this weekend it was just a good good nice off the ball like just one of those bumps that kinda of happens as the balls the plays just move past and the two players kinda of come together. Um, I think Boke was actually trying to kind of bump him off the bump, bump him off the trajectory of um engaging into the contest as well. And it was just a good clean classic bump. Um and it may not have been boke I just for some reason I have him in, in my head, which could just be because I love Travis Boke. Um uh, you know, I know that's not a view that's alone for me by any means. There's plenty of us sport fans that uh, think of Travis spoke far too often, <laughs> but um, you can never could actually. You can never think about him too often. I take that back immediately. Um, but that's the thing. I just, but when we get back to when, so when it says, yeah, the bump's not dead. It's just kind of getting mitigated to a point of a point that people won't elect to do it as much. So it's not going to happen as much. But being that the sport is what it is unless we actually overall completely change the sport, the bump and just contact is going to happen, which in this means that a bump is going to happen occasionally. So that's what it will be. Um, but when it comes to adjudicating what happens when the bumps do go awry and a player does get contact of the head and possible concussions and all that stuff, we just need to have a baseline that is a bit stronger. We can't ever have the Buddy Franklin one, which I did, I think did have concussion protocol involved, that can never be one week. It needs to be two weeks minimum for me, possibly three. We're in a 23-game season now with the extra round thrown in. Um, so we need to have, uh, you know, three games out of, you know, 22, 23 games isn't a big deal now. But it's enough that it makes a a dent in a player's season. there and, the, and that's where we've got to, I, I just think we've got to be. It's got to be two to three weeks. At a minimum, and then when you're t- if you if it's especially egregious, you get to four to five, and if it's one of those ones that's you know just at completely looks like they've they've gone the they've gone the player they've gone the man they've done serious damage, then you can go to seven eight weeks and really, you know, and it's not that I'm calling for like a, the sport to be soft. It's just we do also need to because there are plenty of players out there that are really really good. Do not um I mean look at Sam Powell Pepper. He plays the ball tough, he plays the game tough, he tackles tough, he hits tough. But we haven't seen him really get into too much trouble for these kind of things because he just he's figured out a way to play that, and I'm sure it'll happen. I'm not saying he's never going to do it because there's always that line, and players dance that line when it comes to this game. But players are learning how to be better about attacking the ball and attacking the player without you know, engaging in something dangerous like the bump. And like I said, the bump's just getting reduced to a, a minor role in our game. And people that want to talk about, and Port fans, as much as any, love, um, you know, we loved Byron Pickett back in the day. We loved the bump. We loved the brawl and all that stuff. But we can't be calling for that old school stuff back because that old school stuff was back in a day that was when we had a lesser of an understanding of what head, head injuries did. And, uh, you know, the people that pine for the old school 80s football and... You know the '89 Grand Final when was it? I think it was Platten. Was it Brereton? Br- Br- I know Platten had some injuries out of that one. Brereton, I think had what? Did he have a collapsed lung or something like that? Or was that Platten? Or was that there's that many players in that Grand Final actually, that had serious medical in, in issues after that game. Could have been different. I can't remember now. Anyway, if you want that kind of footy back, then you're you're are i a I don't know, I don't know what you are. You're you're sadist. I don't know. It's, we can't be calling for that again. We've got to look at these people as humans. And I know and I know, Gil came out and said these players understand the risks, but I still sometimes think we haven't actually done enough to re- make them realize the risks. They understand the risks of one concussion, but do they understand the risks of... Do they understand, fully understand what happens when you get repeated head trauma and all that kind of stuff? And we're only really starting to get a picture of it now as we see. I think it's only in the last five years I've started seeing the articles of John Platton's issues... Gary Ablett's issues, I think, I only became aware of recently. We've seen our own Jay Shields, who we loved at Port Adelaide, um, his issues, and he's mentioned it's completely changed his moods and 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 how who he is as a person to to an extent. This is all stuff that's only come out in the last five years, and now, now the writing was on the wall because the NFL was kind of probably ten years ahead of us on players coming out with this stuff, and and and. It becoming a serious issue i think the class action in the nfl was 2009 2010. Um, i was over here at the time as well and and i remember taking a, i took a great interest in it because it was something i already saw at that point i, I looked at what was happening there and i thought well, if this is happening in the nfl this is going to happen in the afl eventually as well because we're going to have the epidemic that the nfl was happening at that time happen in the afl because the afl has concussions and head injuries and naturally it's going to happen. It happened in hockey as well. Sydney Crosby, one of the greatest of all time, spent two a year and a half, two years out of the game because what happens when, and for those that aren't aware, what happens when you get one concussion? In layman's terms, your brain swells a bit. You know, it's and as long as it's not the worst, it's not like, you know, you're going to survive it. But what happens, the problem is the brain takes a long time to... So if you recover from the symptoms and head back out there a couple of weeks later you may not have the symptoms and all that stuff, and you may be completely fine tests and everything, but your brain is still a little bit more sensitive and swollen. It's not the same as it was before that first concussion. And I think what happened with Crosby in particular, I can't remember what the injuries were, if it was hits or um, it was likely hits into the boards or something like that. He went out recovering from that first concussion. I say recovered in quotation marks. He wasn't fully recovered because it actually takes a long, a long, long time for the brain to recover from that, that kind of trauma. He went out and got a secondary concussion, which meant the brain swelled even more, and then it actually became an issue, and then he was out of the game for a year or two, essentially. And this is what's gone. Kind of we're going to start seeing more and more of is like these players that are coming out of these class actions are going to were they aware of that? And we know, unfortunately, if you're enough of a cynic about sports as as I am, as, as much as a fan I am, I understand that sports teams over the years have never been completely truthful to the players because there is also the business aspect go what I, I always recommend the classic north dallas 40 40 year old nfl movie it's got um i'm blanking now nick nolte and um is in it and it's an incredible film there's a bit at the end there's they're, they're all you know they're getting shot up with painkillers to keep them going through games and they're all you know in pain and there's a bit at the end where a player a lineman just loses his mind at his coaches. Just about, you you pump us for this, you pump us for that, and you just expect it to go out and do this and this and this. And it's just, all this stuff has been happening for decades and eons and, and generations of sports. And so to, for when I see Gil McLaughlin come out and say, people, the players know the risks, they all know this stuff. That's fine. It's kind of like saying, I know the risk jumping into a car. There's still a duty of care from car manufacturers, companies and all that stuff to make sure it's as safe as possible. And that's where the league's at now too, and that's why, you know, and and I'm trying to catch on my train of thought because I just heard a sound from outside and it just distracted me for a moment. Um, But yeah, the duty of care to the AFL is to make sure players are well aware of the risks, and I'm sure that's happening now. Um, But not just us, make sure the players, you know, if they sign a waiver saying, yeah, no, we understand the risks, is it actually... I think it needs to be like what, I don't know what the processes are. If someone knows, I'd love to be educated more about what players are actually told. Do they actually get sit, sat down and told verbally? This is what happens when your brain goes through multiple concussions. This is the stuff. This is the these are the facts of the matter and everything. And when you sign off and sign your contract, this is what you're you, you know your understanding of this. But then even then, when a player gets a concussion, and and this is what's going to happen when further study and all that stuff as we go forward an understanding of brain trauma and stuff like that. Are we are we doing the best? Is the t- one-week thing. Because I remember, wasn't the, uh the crow player? I'm trying to think it was the, the female crow player that had the concussion got ruled out of the grand final a couple of years. And she was livid about it and wanted to play and wanted you know, them to overturn the rules and, and stuff like that. And I was just like, no, this is the kind of stuff. And, that's, and luckily they didn't. And so there's a duty of care thing coming in there already. But then... Is that enough? I don't know. And this is the thing that the AFL needs to contend with when, when we're talking about the suspensions and stuff like that. Is enough being done in the education of the players in those instances? Is It's all outcome-based when it should actually be preventative? There should be some preventative-based stuff too in how they, how they hit, because if they think they can hit and get away with it, if, as long as they just try not to give them a concussion, then there's actually still the threats there. I don't know. It's a, it's a mess, and I don't know exactly how I'm trying to put my point out there. It's just more the fact that I think we need to take it a little bit more seriously, and and more to the point, um, I've rambled a little bit too long on already, but when it comes to Paddy McCartan, um, when you see his head injury from this last one, I think they said it was his ten I thought he had had five, maybe. The fact he's had ten. And he's out there with that helmet for one thing. I think is I know that's play. I assume that's a player decision, um, and maybe he's been told that it's not gonna. But I feel like a helmet's gonna make maybe a little bit of who knows because the brain's actually just moving around up there. So you know, it just takes a hit to move it around, and maybe the, the helmet would have done wouldn't have done anything. But the Paddy McCartan one highlights for me how much further we have to go in the in the understanding of it because. He shouldn't have been out there if that kind of knock is gonna end up in a concussion like that. The fact he was staggering off the field and looking like looking and that that visual representation of that kind of of a concussion like that was incredibly um, sobering. I guess as a football fan to understand, um, and I know that I've seen I've read the reports of the NFL players that you know, and if people don't know this, I apologize for putting this graphic idea in your mind. Um, so you know a warning about a graphic idea for a minute here um you know NFL players as uh, some famous ones Junior Sayo was the most recent one I can think of who was a, who was an all pro for both the uh, San Diego Chargers as they were at the time um and the New England Patriots who killed himself by shooting himself in the stomach so that he could his brain could be studied because he knew he knew it was you know he's struggling with the depression and all the changes in his his brain chemistry essentially from um, what the concussions did to, did to him in his career and when I see that and that, so I hear about that and I see the the visual representation of what a just a simple head knock to someone who's had repeated head traumas can do to Paddy McCartan in that instance it's just it's heartbreaking and sobering I think this is going to be and I know the, the pundits and all that are talking about it and it's so the first thought of course is Paddy McCartan's health and his his ability to live a full life going forward. That's my first concern as well. But my my wider concern as an AFL fan is what are we doing now um, going forward with players that get con- concussions? I think Jared Waitley mentioned on uh, 360 possibly. It might have been that. I'm trying to think now. I just remember hearing it in some discussions quarters this week, which is an interesting idea and one I'd already thought of as well, is are we going to get to a point where it's a mandated, you've had this many concussions, you can't play anymore. But then that's very arbitrary as well because – maybe if they were minor concussions who knows so what's going to have to actually happen is we're going to have to get far more study into recognising concussions uh, whether it's brain scans every time they happen it's understanding of a a better ability to get an idea of where the brain's at from each concussion, each injury because maybe depending on the player you might only need one and you've done enough damage maybe another player can do five or six and then the players can sign off knowing that you know I don't know, but it's it's dark waters anyway, and it's not a fun con- conversation to have, and it's one that the AFL is going to be contending with for a long time now. The class action's kind of opened up the floodgates a bit more than they were over the past few years, but it's been bubbling there for the last five, ten years, um, and the rule changes slowly happening to try to contend with that. But we're still so far away from the true understanding of what it's doing to these players, and and certainly the Shane Tuck tragedy a few years ago was a, a stark reminder as well, and similar to the NFL ones that have happened. Kind of, kind of put put it into the forefront of a lot of people's minds a little bit more. But the study, and everything going forward is going to have to be a far, far better and and as well as openly received. Um, the AFL's got to not do what I, I was, you know, I was very, again, very praising of Gil McLaughlin and the gather round and all that stuff. But will be critical here is that you've got to not. It's kind of like um, when I was talking about Port Adelaide yesterday with the white noise stuff. You've got to not talk to your fans in a way that seems like you're trying to talk down to them. And I think Gil, and uh, as your players as well, um, Gil talking about, they know the risks, this is what it is, I played footy, and this is just what happens, you know. Um, No, it's not what happened, it shouldn't be. And even if it is, and it has in the past, that doesn't dictate the future. We can try to make it better, and make it a better product, make it safer. Um... And just have more understanding, you know. Some players get through their whole careers without having to worry about it. Well, they have minor ones, and that's it. But then we saw, you know, Brad Ebert was it was a hard end to his career, um, and Penny McCartan's going down a similar road, and uh, and we just hope that their futures are uh, uncompromised by it. But uh, sadly, we know the the reality of concussions and severe head trauma and, and uh, CTE. Um, the reality is it's, it can be a lot darker than than what we hope. So. And when it comes back to the match review and the and the tribunal and stuff like that, is we need to have a clear clearer delineation of what what our ideas of protecting the head are. Because that Buddy Franklin one should never have been a one week suspension. It should have been more. Um, you know, he's you know, it's, and it's nothing about keeping him out of the game or anything about you know hoping he's not going to play against you or anything like that. It's just it's actually players can take that time. And it's just, like I said, there's plenty of players in this league that play tough and hard. And you never see them really in their situations. Um, you know. It's just player education and all that stuff, and but the tribunal and the match review and all that stuff has got to have a clearer delineation. And as far as and to finish it off, it's for us fans as well, because we get confused as to what the AFL is actually trying to do with all this stuff. And that's the biggest thing out of out of all this, after all this rambling I've just done, is the fans are screwed over by just a misunderstanding and, and a confusion and that creates angst and 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 creates the angst and all the dissent and all the things the afl hates is created by their own their own um confusion within their own system so that's been kind of my thoughts over the last couple of weeks seeing it all the concussion there's the the actions themselves but then seeing you know McCartan on the weekend really kind of was sobering for me as well and kind of brought into a clearer picture about why I want to see because we don't want to be frustrated as fans with all these decisions and uh, and we and we also want to see our players be understanding and protected as well, best as they can and when some and it's not going when but they're still going there's still going to be hits there's still going to be concussions the sports probably never there's never going to be out away from them but we need to understand that when we punish them we punish them accordingly and the fans understand what the delineation is and the and the, and the the mark is for it, and we don't have the angst about it either. We just know that if that hit happens, it's what it is. Alrighty. Now that we've talked about all this serious stuff and, and some of the fun stuff, the Gather Round was fun, but I guess I spent a fair bit of time just complaining about people complaining, which is somewhat hypocritical, but that's, that's the nature of doing this sometimes. Uh, and I'm happy to call myself out on, on being a bit negative at times, but... Uh, yeah, uh, we, we can talk. finish this off just um, being a little bit more light-hearted and just looking at how the AFL um, season as a whole has gone for the first month uh, with the other teams. I know we, we've talked plenty about... I've talked plenty about how we're traveling and um, and that's just what it is. But um, overall, um, I guess I'll talk first the surprise packets this year, both good and bad. Um, I'll say, and this is me being as objective as hell because I don't like saying it, Adelaide have been... And I'm not going to say I'd let him in a complete surprise. I think if you've watched them over the past couple of years, you've seen them have good starts, and seen some signs in their side, but then they've they've had that that patch in the middle of what young sides do. But seeing them come out and uh, Isaac Rankin just falling in there like a like a square peg in a square peg hole, like absolutely perfect. Um, he's And, you know, we're getting the benefit of, you know, Horn Francis looking um, happy and home and comfortable in our side. And I think that's what we're getting with Rankin as well. And he's proven some of the doubters wrong. And and certainly um, one of our former players is having a lot of moments in the media where he's getting called out for how wrong he was on some things. And, you know, Rankin, provided he stays fit, um, is going to be a star for them for a long time. So that's working out well for him. Josh Riccelli in his second year um, really looking like, you know, he had his. A great start last year, and then you know had times where, as young players do, and I am sure he'll have it again a little bit where he's you know just depending on the game and how it's going, the role sometimes isn't there, and then you're struggling to have an impact. Otherwise, but so far they're utilizing them well. Um, you know Phil Thorpe coming in, um, he's you know highly touted number two pick, but as as we know, tools just take longer to develop and understand that it's not that they the raw talent's there; it's just getting their body right and understanding and use, utilizing their body as the best they can in the AFL setting. So. You know, the roots of a, of a good team have been there for a while, and we're just and they're just starting to kind of bring it all together. Um, a good mix of young and old and Jordan Dorton. Like, you know, we've, the Crows have been critical, and Crows fans have been as critical of any of their own team with how they've drafted over the years. um, the last probably five years and how their rebuilds have gone. But they're recruiting the last couple of years. You know, Dawson's an absolute star, unfortunately. <laughs> Rankin, again. Um, Seedsman, even um, I know he's having his issues uh, with concussions, as I was just talking about. You know, he was you know, borderline all Australian um, right up until that time, and it's and it's a disappointment for them uh, that he's out of there, seemingly just out of the picture for a while. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm, we we saw this as as opposing fans in the same city. We've you know we always have a bit more of an eye on the Crows than some other places across the across the border will and then I think across the water, they're more and more genuinely surprised but I, I guess we probably didn't see them playing quite as good as they, and you know the start of the season was rough and that GWS match was apparently one of the toughest conditions you could have ever could have thought of and then they were a bit up and down against Richmond but they, they should have probably beat Richmond that next week in the second week of the season so they very easily could be 3-1 at this point unfortunately one of those wins was against us and that was quite embarrassing and we didn't play well enough on the day, we should have been up with them at the end of the game. It should have been, you know, a one-to-two goal game, at, at, even with the Crows plan as well as they did. Um, but, you know, we they, they took their opportunity to put the foot in the throat there. and So, yeah, probably we know that they've got it in them to build, I think. Uh, we've seen it at times, but I think it's despite, like, how good they've looked at times. Um, certainly when they were trying to come against Richmond, I was watching that game, and they looked... They looked scary good at times in that in that game. They just couldn't put the scoreboard pressure on, but they're starting to kind of figure that out now too. Um, North Melbourne and the Clarko. Uh, I think we probably all expected them to have a little bit of a new coach boost, but you know Harry Shizel's been an absolute re- revelation. Um, you know he's up there up there in the best players in the AFL kind of rankings at the, at the moment, um, not just as a rookie, but just a, in general play, just racking up disposals, um, looking like he's been in the in been in the system for a couple of years. So you know, I think North Melbourne are a genuine surprise um, to be two and two already. Um, they're, probably, they're still going to not they're not going to make finals. Whereas I think Crows, if they can stay fit, they might be of one of those teams that can make that sudden jump up the table. Uh, where, whereas in North Melbourne, I'm unsure if they will. So I guess that's the the discrepancy between the surprise backers there. Um, surprise back at the other way, uh, Frio are just uh, looking absolutely shambles at the moment. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose this week to Gold Coast, um, which would put them at one and four, and uh, they just don't seem to be like they're you know they're really not handling the uh, the twilight of Nat Fife's career well at all. Um, whether it's a Nat Five thing or a Fremantle, it's just you know it's a tough place to be when you've got a star that was as generous like you know a two-time Brownlow winner, just one of the most electrifying players in in his in his peak, but now they just don't seem to be able to figure out what they're going to do with him. So that's a disappointment for them. Um, whether that was just a fluke last year. You know, Luke Jackson coming in was meant to be, you know, kind of one of those big picks, but it just shows that it's not... The the, the path to being a, gen, a, a genuine contender year after year is just not as linear as you'd expect. It's not just bringing in that star player from a team that's just won a premiership kind of thing and bringing him home. Um, we know that as well as any with, you know, having getting close to the top and then falling away when we didn't expect to. So, you know, it's a tough tough gig for Frio. Uh, Richmond, they're getting the... the the rubber, the you know, not getting a good rubber, the 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 lucky lamp with the injuries at the moment. Where are they going to fall away to? Because they they made some big picks with the, you know, Taranto and Hopper coming in. Um, we're expected to kind of bounce back up the table, but um, you know, with the injuries they're getting to, you know, Lynch is out for a couple of months, and then Curvis, um, they're going to be. They might find themselves struggling to get wins uh, for the next few weeks, and and put themselves behind the 8 ball kind of like we were last year um with just trying to fight their way back into the 8 if they if and when they can get fit. So yeah, they are a couple of surprise packets. Geelong they could be easily be 2 and 2 right now. Let's let's they had a couple of disappointing results in the middle there. Um but they certainly could have and should have or could have beaten Collingwood in that opening game. That was just a good game. Um but since then they've they had a couple of rough weeks but then they roared back last week. So you know, they've been a bit disappointing to start with, you could say maybe a premiership hangover, but that was pretty, a pretty impressive beatdown of, you know... And, you know, maybe you could say they, they should be beating Hawthorne by that, by that much because they're that good, but then you're also admitting they're that good and will probably come back to find their way into the eight. I'd still expect them to, but... Um, a bit of a slow start, I'd expect them to fight their way into the eight, but they've put themselves... a They've given themselves a bit of pressure already to, to make the top four, which is where you want to get to to give yourself that chance. Um, all right, we'll look at... Just to finish off, sorry, again, allergies are killing me at the moment um, as I try to talk. I mean, it's just great for an audio medium, isn't it? Just to have me just losing, just spluttering away. But anyway, thank you for bearing with me. Um, I guess probably the biggest one, would you'd have to say, St. Kilda. Um, at the top of the table, 4-0, um, a percentage of one hundred and sixty, um really handling their opposition well while scoring scoring at will. Um, it's a big game this week against Collingwood who, um, have had a similarly impressive start of the season apart from losing last week up in Brisbane, which is, um, you know, isn't, isn't the easiest place to go. So, you know, you're not taking too much out of that as far as a negative goes, uh, but a big game this week to see where both teams are at. I guess to finish off, I'll say my early thoughts as to who's probably in premiership contention. You've got to have Melbourne up there. They're three and one a healthy percentage, um, the list they've got, the players they've got, the experience they've got, um, you've just got to accept that if they're if they're in the top four at any, um, at the end of the season um, and and at a relatively fit in a relatively fit way um, for their side, um, they're they're up there. And while they sit in the top four, I'll always put them in Premiership contention. Um, Saint Kilda, an impressive start. I'm interested to see how they handle Collingwood this week, um, and and that goes for Collingwood too. It's, it's probably two teams that have. Um, Teased some good form, um, but whether they're in, whether I put them either of them in a premiership contention, I don't know. It's a weird year so far. There's a lot of you know Geelong are sitting outside the eight right now, so you'd expect them to be out there by the end of the year. And when you look at the premiership, you know Geelong are still eight dollars um, for the premiership. Are sitting sitting between teams at twenty and forty one and one hundred one and all that stuff are down in the bottom, bottom at uh, bottom, you know bottom five. So. You know, when whereas you look at Team Saint Kilda, still paying fifteen. Whereas you got Carlton at eight, Melbourne in at four fifty, Collingwood at five dollars. So, you know, even the the punters have brought you know Saint Kilda into some respectable money, but they're still not not nearly in with the favourites. While but despite the fact they sit at the top, so it shows that there's still people are waiting for Saint Kilda to have a couple of those results that make you go wow. And that's probably what I'm waiting for too. So, I look at still I still look at Melbourne as the Premiership favourite at the moment. I probably put Collingwood right up there just because. While they've got the Dacos brothers playing magic and and the you know Scott Pendlebury playing the way he started the season, just the side they've got, um, the balance they've got, the, the the interesting thing will be the ruckman thing um, and the injuries. Uh, if they can't get that balance right going into this, going into the finals, obviously that's a long way away. That will kind of derail their their hopes. But at this point, you have just got to say that if they can continue racking up the wins and keep themselves in touch with the top four or within the top four they're up there as well just um the magic kind of players they've gotten obviously how well they they obviously play the mcg is clearly a fa- a point of favorite favoritism for them as well so but yeah beyond that it's a real hodgepodge um i don't i still I don't understand brisbane they should be up there as a premiership favorite but um and they play the gabba really well clearly um with the couple of wins they've got up there so far against melbourne and against brisbane uh, against brisbane against collingwood uh, but, you know, they go away from the Gabba and they haven't had a good record yet, so they've got to find some consistency for me. Um, they're right up there as a... They should be right up there, but they're, they're not there for me. It's really Melbourne and Collingwood are the two that I look at, at the most at the moment, um, and they're, the, they're it's one of those two, that, the the premiership come from at this point of the season for me. Um, Carlton, the, the sickness, I still, I'll believe it when I see it. I just, Carlton Calton I just... You know, I'm not even a Colton fan. And I understand the Colton fans' pain from the last 20 years. Um, big game for them tomorrow, I guess. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle an Adelaide side that's up and about. Uh, for me, uh, again, this weekend will tell us a bit. You know, St Kilda and Colton are sitting in first and second. I'll have a lot more to say about them after this week, I think, depending on how they handle their tasks in the gather round. Um, that'll be a really interesting kind of way, a, a point of you know, a, a stopping point in time for us and how we can measure their progress early. So, yeah, um, that's about it. That's all I've got. I'm just dying from these allergies, so I've just got to. I've just got to call it now. Um, but yeah, that was a really how I wanted to finish this with ten, fifteen minutes of just general chat. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this idea. Um, I'll keep, probably keep doing it because i you know the downloads and all that. So I just do it because um, I enjoy it. So but I hope you enjoy it too. Um, cheers. Um, like I said subscribe, like, whatever, do all that fucking stuff. Um, I should script that out so I actually have a thing to say but you know just do the fucking stuff and I appreciate it. Um, But as always even though this wasn't a Port Adelaide centric podcast I'll always end it with Khan the Pear